Hi, welcome to Come Follow Me with Brie, episode 75, Laughter and Levity. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. I look forward to preparing this and to recording this and then to watch you guys listen over the next week. It is something that adds so much to my life. And my life's a little crazy right now. We're actually preparing to move out of our current house and we are moving to a new house that's closer to my sister, which I'm super excited about. And as I was preparing this week, I was like, ah, I don't know if I really have have time to really dive super deep into this, but I'm here to tell you that the Lord is here for us and the Lord knows that this podcast is important to me. He knows that my intentions are good. He knows that I want to do what he wants me to do. And because of that, I have felt him with me as I prepare this and have been able to just kind of have this spill out of me. And I really feel like the Lord has given me a message to to give to you that is important. Even if it's not into the super nitty gritty details of the story this week, I feel like this is what Heavenly Father wanted me to say this week. And I'm so excited to talk about it with you. Okay, so so many good stories this week. I'm sure there's so many awesome uh, podcasts and and of course you need to read through it that in order to get more insights into more of these stories. I'm only going to talk about a tiny bit of the story like usual. Um, so make sure that you really dive into all the different things that you can learn from this week's chapters. But this week I am going to focus on the laughing that happens in these chapters. So in Genesis chapter 17, verse 15, it says, And God said unto Abraham, As for Sariah thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai. I guess it's Sariah. I actually don't know. Sarai. But Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is an hundred years old? And shall Sarah, that is ninety years old, bear? So then we skip ahead to chapter 18 when Sarah finds out. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Sarah and Abraham were old and well stricken with age, and it ceaseth to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. Now, when I read this story, to me, it comes across more as a laugh, not that they didn't believe the Lord couldn't do it, but just a laugh that it was funny that the possibility even even was possible. So, so there's some, some wiggle room there as far as how we can interpret that. But my question for you today is, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Now in the scriptures, I think we see a difference between types of, of quote, laughing or mocking. We see the type that we just read about where I don't think that they seriously doubted the Lord. Um, 
then there's the type where maybe we just don't take, we aren't taking the gospel as seriously as we should. And so then we are in a way laughing at what the Lord says is possible. And then of course, there's the laughing of the wicked, of people who do not believe in God, do not believe in the Savior, and therefore lack the faith to believe that all things are possible through the Lord, that these impossible sounding things could actually happen because they don't have the faith necessary in order to believe that they could happen. So first, I want to talk about some righteous people who have kind of, in a way, laughed at what the Lord asked them to do. We read about that for sure a few times, even just this year. Remember when the Lord told Enoch that he needed to go preach to the people and Enoch doubted the Lord's choice to choose him because he was slow of speech and he said the people hated him. And I think we very clearly saw that the Lord very much proved Enoch wrong about himself. But the, but Enoch doubted for a second because he doubted himself. And then we got to see what the Lord made out of Enoch, this man who doubted himself. The Lord can do all things. The Lord could make Enoch great in speech, so great, in fact, that the sounds of rushing waters came at his enemies and the sounds of roaring lions and scared them away. That's, that's pretty powerful. And then Enoch became the head of this incredible city that became so righteous that it was brought up to the Lord. The Lord proved Enoch wrong there about himself. Remember when God commanded Moses to go free the Israelites? Same thing. Moses said, I am of uncircumcised lips, which means slow of speech. There are examples all throughout our history, the history of our church, and the history of all scripture of people doubting themselves when the Lord says that they can or will do something. Then there is a theme throughout all of history of people laughing at the foolishness of believing that God can do all things, even seemingly impossible things. The people laughed at Noah when he claimed the earth was going to be flooded. We read this week that Lot's sons and daughters didn't listen to him when he begged them to leave the city of Sodom. Do you think, going back to Moses, do you think that Pharaoh laughed at Moses before the plagues began? I think for sure he did. And then if we move to the Book of Mormon, Korahor gives us a pretty typical, one we might recognize today, speech given by those who didn't believe. He says things that I imagine some people in my life might want to say to me. Alma 30, starting in verse 13. O ye that are bound down under a foolish and vain hope, why do ye yoke yourselves with such foolish things? Why do ye look for a Christ? For no man can know of anything which is to come. Behold, these things which ye call prophecies, which ye say are handed down by holy prophets, behold, they are foolish traditions of your fathers. How do ye know of their surety? Behold, ye cannot know of things which ye do not see. Therefore ye cannot know that there shall be a Christ. Ye look forward and say that ye see a remission of your sins, but behold, it is the effect of a frenzied mind, and this derangement of your minds comes because of the traditions of your fathers, which lead you away into a belief of things which are not so. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like some of the mockery that you can imagine people saying to you that you can hear, maybe have heard the world say? Laman and Lemuel laughed at and mocked their father in 1 Nephi chapter 2, verse 11. Now this he spake because of the stiff-neckedness of Laman and Lemuel. For behold, they did murmur in many things against their father, because he was a visionary man, 
and had led them out of the land of Jerusalem to leave their land of their inheritance and their gold and their silver and their precious things to perish in the wilderness. And they said that they had done this because of the foolish imaginations of his heart. And then to move on to Abinadi, after he preached incredible truth to King Noah, King Noah said in Mosiah 13, Away with this fellow and slay him, for what have we to do with him, for he is mad. Now I could keep going and going with examples in the scriptures of when prophets have spoken to the wicked, and their strategy is then to call that person crazy or foolish or mad, to gaslight them. And I think it's wise for us to remember that that actually is a very, very awesome strategy. Because what happens if you believe the mad, foolish, crazy person? Then you also are in that category. It is an excellent tactic by the adversary to call righteous things, righteous endeavors, righteous causes, to make them seem crazy, to have everyone scream from the rooftops that these people are crazy. And depending on the circumstance, maybe they are. But that is something that should be a red flag to you. Make sure that you know for yourself that you actually investigate what certain people believe before you believe what the loudest voice is telling you to believe. Okay, anyway, like I said, I could keep going with examples, but there is a common thread between all of these types of doubt that we've talked about. Doubt of the wicked and doubts that the righteous have that the Lord really can do all things. When it comes down to it, both are questioning and doubting an omniscient God. And this made me think about when when have I figuratively laughed at God's words? And by that I don't think I don't mean that I think that I actually ever laughed, but I think of laughing at God's words also in the same category as levity. Joseph Smith said that he was guilty of the sin of levity, and that means to treat things lightly. So when I think about myself laughing at God's word, that's more what I'm thinking of is, when have I treated God's word lightly? When have I not truly committed in believing exactly that he will do exactly what he has said he will do? And along with that, have you noticed other people in your life doubting that God can truly do all things? So let's talk about some incredible things that might be actually mocked by the world, or also, unfortunately, maybe even unintentionally, mocked by us by treating those things with levity. Let's start with something really basic. Jesus Christ atoned for your sins. Do you really believe that in application? Not just in theory, as applied to other people. Do you really believe that Jesus Christ can take you The person that you are hardest on, the person whose innermost thoughts and desires you know, do you believe that Jesus Christ can take you and make you whole, truly whole? Do you believe that he can take those burdens from you and remove your guilt? Or do you treat that gift, that truth, with levity? Now in saying that, this is one that I think I don't know if I quite want to put it in the category of levity because this is a hard thing for people. It's not pe- like people are lightheartedly holding on to their sins. Usually it's it's filled with a lot of anguish and stress. And when I talk about people, I'm talking about myself as well. I know what it feels like to hang on to a sin because I don't quite commit to believing the Savior, truly believing him when he says he'll take something from me. 
I am convinced that this is mine for sure, but it's most people's number one hang up with repentance and forgiveness. They can't forgive themselves. And unfortunately, that's part of the process. That is part of repentance is being willing to have faith that Jesus Christ really did die for your sins, really is your advocate with the father and really can take it from you, can make you clean again. Okay, let's go to another truth that we might treat with levity. Joseph Smith was a prophet of God. Well, (laughs) we know that this one is for sure mocked by the world, but I know so many who struggle with their testimony of Joseph Smith. They don't struggle with their testimony of the Book of Mormon, which one kind of hinges upon the other, but Joseph Smith is just a hang-up for a lot of people. And and I think one great thing about reading the Old Testament is that we really get an up-close and personal view of the imperfections of prophets which makes sense since Jesus Christ was literally the only perfect person to ever walk the earth. Joseph Smith is just more recent, so it's easier to pick him apart. It's easier to believe that God talked to people thousands of years ago, but now when it's so recent, when it feels more real and less like a story, that's harder. And that can feel more impossible and more laughable. I remember in high school, some boys during class singing a South Park song right behind me in class saying, Joseph Smith was called a prophet, dum, 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 dum. (laughs) And I think at the time I just laughed and it didn't really bother me, which I guess is a good attitude to take because the world is going to mock Joseph Smith. That is actually even said in scripture that that he will be mocked. He will be known for good and evil. But do you find it harder to believe that seemingly impossible truth That in modern history, there are men who have been called as prophets of God, who speak to God, who speak for God, who guide us and warn us literally from the creator himself. Are we treating that blessing lightly? Are we not taking seriously the fact that we have actual living prophets who guide the church, a church that is led by Jesus Christ himself? Are we studying their words? Are we treasuring general conference for the blessing that it is? Are we showing through our actions, not just our words, that we actually believe the seemingly impossible blessing of modern-day revelation from living prophets? And speaking of revelation, do we treat revelation with levity? Do you actually believe when you kneel down to pray that personal revelation from God is a reality? That He could actually help direct you and your little life in the midst of billions? There are so many things that I could talk about that we possibly could be treating with levity. But I want to end with the signs of the approaching second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, that's one that I know that the world laughs at, and one that I worry sometimes that we treat with levity because it seems so impossible, even though we can say it in our minds and kind of kind of try and believe it, but it feels so impossible that sometimes I think that that leads to treating it lightly. I want to start first by mentioning some signs that have already been fulfilled that would have been laughed at 200 years ago. One of them is the church will grow to fill all the earth. Wow, I think we can all say that that has happened and that would have been laughed at 200 years ago. Another is Israel will be gathered. And we are still in the process of witnessing this happening. We are watching the entire earth be gathered into the stakes of Zion. But also, another really cool thing to watch that has to do with that 
is to watch the progression of the Jewish people. They are quite literally being gathered over the last 50 to 60 years to the Holy Land, to the Holy City of Jerusalem. And that process continues, and it is truly testimony building to study how that has happened and what is continuing to happen and the amazing signs that are happening that involve the Jewish people being gathered back to Jerusalem. So let's talk about some things that we say will happen. What are some things that are laughed at now that we proclaim in word but deny in action by not taking seriously the admonitions and warnings of our prophets, by not preparing as we should? Should we be taking the parable of the ten virgins more literally? Do you know why the virgins were even supposed to have lamps? When the bridegroom came, it was the job of the virgins to light the path of the groom to the bride's home. When we think of this as the Savior's second coming, we know that right now our job is to be preparing the world for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Do we have oil in our lamps? Do we have the capability to withstand what is going to come? Or are we waiting for it all to hit the fan before we, like the foolish versions, try to get oil for our lamp too late? Matthew 25, we're going to read it. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamp and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Jesus Christ will come again. He will. He will first come to Adam on Diamond. Bruce R. McConkie said, Before the Lord Jesus descends openly and publicly in clouds of glory, attended by all the hosts of heaven, before the great and dreadful day of the Lord sends terror and destruction from one end of the earth to the other, before he stands on Mount Zion or sets his feet on Olivet, or utters his voice from an American Zion or a Jewish Jerusalem, before all flesh shall see him together, before any of his appearances, which taken together comprise the second coming of the Son of God, before all these, there is to be a secret appearance to selected members of his church. He will come in private to his prophet and to his apostles then living. Those who have held the keys and powers and authorities in all ages, from Adam to the present, will also be present. And further, all the faithful members of the church, then living, and all the faithful saints of all ages past, will be present. It will be the greatest congregation of faithful saints ever assembled on planet Earth. It will be a sacrament meeting. It will be a day of judgment for the faithful of all the ages. And it will take place in Davis County, Missouri, at a place called Adamon Diamon. That will happen. Are we preparing to qualify to attend that event? Are we treating that task with seriousness? Are we living our life centered on Jesus Christ the way it should be, or is he an afterthought? Another thing that will happen is two prophets will be killed in Jerusalem very publicly, and the world will rejoice. 
Christ will come at the close of the Battle of Armageddon. He will descend out of the clouds. He will touch his feet to the Mount of Olives and split it in two. In the valley created, the remaining Jews will flee and he will win the war for them. And he will meet the Jews in that valley where they will touch his hands and his feet and acknowledge that he is their Savior. The righteous will be taken up to meet the Lord and the wicked will be destroyed. Now I say all of this in hopes to remind myself and to remind all of you that these things are real. They are not figurative. They deserve, they require that we take them seriously, that we do not treat them with levity. So I hope that our actions, I hope that my actions don't reflect levity. I hope that we are doing the things that we have been asked to do both physically and spiritually. Do you have food storage? Are you doing everything you can to make sure that you are financially prepared for whatever is to come? And more importantly, are you doing the things that the prophet has pleaded with us to do? Are you prepared spiritually? President Nelson said, Now as president of his church, I plead with you who have distanced yourself from the church and with you who have not yet really sought to know that the Savior's church has been restored. Do the spiritual work to find out for yourselves and please do it now. Time is running out. Take that very serious counsel with excited enthusiasm. Enthusiasm that shows the Lord that you are not laughing. You believe him when he says what he will do. I'm going to end with two things that we can learn from the parable of the ten virgins. Number one, the Lord wants us to light the way for him, to prepare the world for the second coming. And number two, There will come a time when the time for preparation is over and levity and disbelief will have its consequences. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.